Thanks so much for finding us here at the Morning Glory Project. I'm your host, Betsy Graziani-Fassbender, and my co-producer, Angela Washington, and I are ever so proud and honored to bring the stories of amazing people to you. These are survivors, thrivers, innovators, and trailblazers who tell us not just their stories, but how they got through whatever they got through to get to where they are. We hope you find them as inspiring as we do. Thanks so much for listening and for giving us the honor of your time. I'm very happy today to welcome Katya to the Morning Glory Project. With over 6 million books sold and counting, Katya's novels have been number one bestsellers around the world. They've received starred reviews, have consistently earned editors' picks for best romance, and have been featured by O, the Oprah magazine. Katya has written over 40 books, again, and counting, some translated into several languages, all about hope and dreams and the bonds of friendships and family. In addition to writing, Katya is an acclaimed artist, a kung fu master, and she wields both the paintbrush and the sword with great flair. Underlying this prolific writing world, though, her art and her unabashed sense of adventure, what may stand out most about Katya is her unrelenting belief in love. When she found and married her own, quote, miracle man, one who could support her career and share in her adventure, she thought she'd had it all. Later, however, betrayal not only ended the marriage, but posed a threat to her career and a costly one at that. Has her view of love changed? Is she still a romantic? And how did she get through all of this? Those are the questions we'll talk about. Katya, I'm so happy to welcome you to the Morning Glory Project. Thank you for taking this time. Oh, thank you for having me, Betsy. I'm so excited to be here. And this is a first for the Morning Glory Project because I'm interviewing you as you sit in your studio in France. Yes. <laughs> so that's exciting too. This is our first international interview, I think. So Katya, you and I met about 18 years ago now. Was it that long ago? It was just before Project Daddy came out, your very first book. Uh-huh. And you were a member of the Sierra Writers Club in Nevada County, California. And I had just moved there and I joined. And you were an instant presence in that room uh, of hope and encouragement. And I was yet unpublished. And you were about to publish your first book. And you were writing then under the pen name Kate Perry. And your first book, Project Daddy, and the second one, Project Date, were those first two books, just delightful little nuggets of books that are sweet and touching and just really quick little easy, delightful books to read. And so I met you back then and lots has changed for you now. I met you before your first book and now you have 40, as you said, plus. And counting. And counting. So (laughs) one of the things that always impresses me about you is how prolific you are, how determined you are. Tell me, where does that come from? How do you find that? Um, Where does it come from? I think it comes from deep in my soul. Um, Whenever I've wanted to do something, I put my whole, I don't do anything that I'm not passionate about. Even when I had a normal uh, nine to five, although it was more like five to eight o'clock, five in the morning till eight o'clock in the evening kind of job, Um, I did it with all my passion 
uh, I loved doing everything that I've ever done. So writing is just another one of those things. I decided I was going to do it. And of course, when I decide to do something, I do it um, successfully because I see it. And so that, and that's what I want. So it's, it sounds like it's a mix of desire and, well, you're using the word passion, Mm -hmm. but I'd also couple that with dedication. I I have Mm -hmm. tried to make this point with you a few times and, and, and it's often the answer is I would love to, but I'm on a deadline right now. So I need to, can we wait? And, and that's been true of um, the entire time I've known you. You're always on a deadline, Mm -hmm. but the deadlines are, are self-imposed. No. Yes. For the most part. Now, when I first started publishing, I was with a traditional publisher, a large traditional publisher. Uh, but after five books, uh, I decided to take it on my own because technology was in such a place where you could start to publish yourself and it was very lucrative and, uh, easy to get, um, market share at that time, particularly. And, and are you still doing it that way? Yes. So you're one of those people that I would love to sometime when you're back in the state and I can buy Mm -hmm. you a really lovely dinner. I will prove (laughs) all that you know about self-publishing because it's something that, that lots of authors hesitate to do, I think, because it's like, oh, I got to take that all on and learn that. I don't want to do it. Sounds so icky and it's nuts and boltsy and all that, but you've had great success doing this and not Mm -hmm. only great success because of publishing beautiful books, but also it's been a lucrative process for you too. It was very lucrative. Yeah. Um, it's a business. So there's the art aspect of it on one hand, but there's the business aspect of it on the other hand, and you have to be able to marry the two in order to do it well. Uh, but at the same time, I'm a firm believer that if you don't love doing something, you shouldn't force yourself to do it. So I'm very good at the technical and I'm very good at the art aspects of it. So from the beginning I always did my covers. I always had a heavy hand when I actually hired a designer. I would tell her what I was looking for exactly. I'd hire a photographer to take the pictures. And a lot of times he'd hand me his camera and say, take what you take what you're seeing in your mind and then I'll fix the lighting for you. So, you know, I have that going for me, but there's a lot of things that I don't love to do on the business end that then you find someone else who loves to do it and is very good at it and they can help you. And, and you pay them to do that. And that's how that, that's how business works, right? Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. and, Listeners, if there's a little bit of a lag, we do have just a tiny bit of a lag between us. So if it sounds as though Katya and I are interrupting one another, we're not doing that on purpose. That's just the technology. And also, <laughs> I should I should also say that if you're hearing rain in the background, I'm not going to apologize for that because I'm in California and it is raining, which is a celebration. So if you hear a little bit of drizzle in the background, we're going to celebrate that too. So Katya... Here you were, you were successful on your own, a single woman, building your your artistic brand and building your mm-hmm. business and doing really quite abundantly well at that. Mm-hmm. And you write a lot about romance, a lot about love, a lot about that. And along the way, you found a fellow, and I remember seeing on uh, in our social media connections that you called him your magic man, that you'd found it. So tell me what that was like at the beginning and what your feeling was about this person and how that went. 
Well, in the beginning, it was like I found someone like-minded. He was, uh, to appearances, successful, confident, um, independent, uh, everything that I was looking for. And he had his own financial security. He had his own financial security. He was well off in his own right, um, had his own businesses, etc. cetera. Uh, so it seemed very ideal. Uh, but after we got married, we were together for a short while after, um, before we got married. And then after we got married, I started to see, um, it started to erode. The story started to decay a little bit and it wasn't, um, it wasn't how I wanted it to, to be hmm. in the end. And, and that had not only the, the heartbreak aspects of any, any partnership or love relationship or marriage dissolving, but it had huge financial ramification as well. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because I think artists and authors out there need, and particularly women artists and authors out there need to listen to this because you have a cautionary tale. It wasn't just financial. It was, um, you know, betrayal is bad enough on its own. Betrayal is something mean and designed to destroy but this was this was a little like this was even beyond that because he went after my creative works he went after my books so we were only married for two and a half years but during that two and a half years i was prolific i was putting out a book every about every 6 weeks or so so um plus the other you know the audiobooks and the translations etc so there were about almost 40 versions of everything that I handled during those two and a half years. And he went after them and the judge, despite copyright, despite the fact that everyone agreed that I had created them, he had no hand in creating them. The judge gave 19 of those over to him completely, wholly for, you know, to own. So 19, not 19 books, but 19 products, 19 you know, products, audio books or, or translations. And mm-hmm, I think eight or nine, eight or nine actual books. So despite the fact that he had his own wealth, mm-hmm. he chose to sue you essentially for settlement for 19 and still owns them. He still owns those and benefits from those today. Mm, I don't believe that he's done anything with them, but you know. Um, but yes, he owns them. I, you know, as an author, now I am not as prolific as you, and I write in a different kind and different genre. Yes. So it takes it takes me longer, and I'm less disciplined than Katya is by a lot. <laughs> um, but I can't imagine the heartbreak. In addition to the heartbreak of the betrayal and the rom and the romance, to have one of your own creations, after working on it, taken from you, just seems like. Wowzer, that's a, you're using the word betrayal, but that sounds like an assault. It's surprising how it's not just painful. It causes you to doubt and it causes you um, to be um, very concerned about everything that you create. You, it's almost like PTSD where, you know, you start to create something and then you're, um, freaked out really, because is this safe? Like, will I get to keep this? Will someone take it away from me? It took a little while. It took me, to me, it took me a long time, but you know, my best friend would say, um, I have, I have what she calls the five minute breakup where I process, I I do my process. I do my, 
Um, bore, I, I write everything on huge pieces of paper. I process it. I decide I'm not going to do that again. I see the patterns that I don't want to repeat, and then I burn it. Literally, you literally burn literally, it. Literally, I burn it. Mm-hmm. Well, and that that speaks to the fact that you're also you're also a painter and a and a and a visual artist, mm-hmm. and so. Do you think there's something for you in the process of putting it into a visible form that makes it more manageable? Um, it helps me see the patterns. When I when I can see the patterns, I can break them and create new habits to put in their place. If that makes sense. Okay, so I want to I want to probe this just a little bit because I'd love okay. to understand it. When you say you put it on put it on paper, mm-hmm. you you get a giant piece of paper, you put it up on the wall, storyboard it. You storyboard it. So are you mm-hmm. writing words? Are you putting images? What are you doing? Both. Um, mostly words, um, but sometimes I do draw. And, you know, I'll draw whatever comes to my mind, but I put words if they're swear words, if I need to get them out in association. I put everything there so that I can move it out of really my heart and my mind. Hmm. It's like wiping a, a, like wiping a chalkboard clean. You put it all out there and then you wipe it clean. For me, it's burning, you know. Well, what's interesting about that is you once showed me how you prepare a story Mm -hmm. and you do a story when you're writing a book, not unlike that, right? You put it on cards, you, you storyboard it out and have your story. And then you, you exorcise that out of your system and into a book. So it sounds like Mm -hmm. a parallel or or similar process of, taking what's in your imagination, in your heart, whether it's a positive thing, like a piece of art, mm-hmm. a book, a painting, I imagine other things, or a heartbreak, a problem, a pattern, a challenge in your life. It's, it's no different. It's no different than writing. A lot of people, um, a lot of, a lot of people, the stories that they write, they process what's going on in their life or what has gone on in their life in the past through their story. You know, I do the same in my story right now. I'm writing my book that's coming out in March. Uh, I'm writing about a love guru who's lost her mojo. She evaded getting married, but she left him at the altar and um, it's caused all kinds of um, problems in her career because, you know, a love guru who suddenly uh, decides not to get married and she's older and, you know, how do people see that? So that certainly tugs from pieces of your experience, Mm -hmm, if not your mm -hmm. total experience, of course. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's interesting. I I am a believer, as anyone who listens to this podcast ever knows, I am a believer in the restorative power of storytelling, of the healing power of it, of the magic of it. There's something about telling stories through various forms, written, painted, danced, sung, Mm -hmm. uh, that does help us not only to to do what you're talking about, Katya, taking it out of your heart and onto the, whatever medium you're using, Mm -hmm. but also connecting to other people. So they, now I don't imagine that, you know, everyone walks through your studio and sees your curse word filled mural. Oh, I post some pictures. (laughs) Well, I'm going to have to snoop now. (laughs) So, so there is a public connection to that. There's sort of, it sounds like a sort of a declaration, like a, Hey, this is what I'm doing. And by golly, I'm done with it now. Torch. (laughs) right? Yeah. Do you, do you make a party of it? Is there a ritual around your burning of this? Is it, do you have a bonfire with friends and get drunk around a campfire or something? (laughs) 
It's funny that you say that because um, the first year I was gone, uh, my divorce took seven years. It just finished a couple of months ago. And um, and I was only married for two and a half years. So put wow. that into perspective. Um, but the first year after I left, when it was coming up on the anniversary of our wedding, um, I told my um, bestest friend, I said, I don't want this day to be associated with that. I want this day to be like a happy day, like a freedom day. Um, and so what we did is we had a bonfire and we burned my wedding dress. And I have a really excellent picture of that. <laughs> oh, you must send that to me. <laughs> I will definitely. We, we will definitely I will definitely. Uh-huh. Well, so, so you're talking about this process that you do. And then I want to go back to something you were saying before, that for what period of time did this particular betrayal and loss and frankly the 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 legal intrusion of it all did it stop you for a while from from writing did you did you sort of feel like uh, 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 I can't even mm -hmm. well you know like I said there was the fear of um how much was he going to go after and how much um was he going to be allowed to go after which inhibited me from being able to write because you don't want to write something that someone's, you don't want to create something that someone's going to take away from you. It's like no. a horrible thought. Um, so I stopped writing for a while, but then there was also the, you know, I write about women, um, women becoming empowered in their lives, but there's a strong romantic element to everything that I write because um, I believe that love is the most important thing in, in the world. Love is everything. You know, some people think it's power, but to me, it's, to me, without love, there's, there's nothing. And so how do you write about that after, um, you've had your heart broken mm. and, you know, all the plans that you have for the, like everything just blows up. Like it's hard to write about believing that someone's going to fall in love and, you know, live happily ever after. Yeah. I was just going to say the happily ever after it got, must've taken a few bruises there. It, well, I still believed in it deep down, but to write about it, I didn't, I didn't have it. I didn't have it in me. Um, so yeah, I didn't write for, I think about four years. Which for somebody with your practice, uh, your prolific production, you're mm -hmm. kind of constantly thinking about it. I, I wonder, I wonder what, what was the darkest experience of that? Was that, was it hard for you to be away from your writing or did you channel that into other things instead? Painting. Painting. I started painting. Yeah. When I was little, I thought I wanted to be an artist when I grew up. Um, but I set that aside when I was about 14. I got, um, I got angry at my dad and I basically cut my nose off to spite my face. Is that the saying? Yeah. That's um, the expression. And, I, and I stopped, I stopped painting. Um, and I started painting again and it was the greatest gift. I, um, the last seven years, there's been a lot of things and there's been a lot of, um, sadness and things that fell away, but there's been a lot of really great gifts and painting is one of the biggest ones. Um, I'm very grateful to the last seven years, if just for that. Well, I wonder, Katya, I, I haven't read your most recent books yet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> my, my TBR pile is, is tall. <laughs> um, so I'm wondering if 
not only channeling the tragedy through your painting, through the, the process that you do of kind of posting and burning those things. I'm wondering if you, do you think that your the end of your marriage and the, the heartbreak of that all, do you think that it's had a positive effect on your writing? Yes, definitely. How so? I'm more, um, I believe more in myself Mm. before I used to doubt my intuition. You know, if I had listened to my intuition, I don't, wouldn't have gotten married. Quite frankly, there were red flags that, um, I had rose colored glasses on because I'm a happy, positive person. And, um, when I see someone, I see the best in them. Um, but you know, now I balance seeing the best in someone and believing in them, um, with the reality of what their actions are and how they walk through the world. Um, and I think it comes through in my writing. Uh, I had someone say recently that my characters were mature, mature adults who were going towards a common goal as opposed to, you know, the what romantic comedies are usually like where there's all sorts of silliness and, mm-hmm. you know, so they got, slapstick they got deeper. sort of thing. They got deeper. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. More emotion. Still some of the zany wacky parts because, you know, sure. I'm a little wacky. Because but... you're a little zany and you're a little wacky and you're delightful. So th- we, we wouldn't <laughs> want you. that to go away. <laughs> I, I do want to go back to the legal issue just mm-hmm. in one other way. And that is because you have a cautionary tale for writers and creative. And can you say a little bit about, I mean, you said what the, the judge had done, but, but if you were going to enter a marriage now, knowing what you know, mm-hmm. what would you do differently? In addition to choosing a, choosing more thoughtfully and following your intuition and choosing the right person, and all that. But even if you did all of that, just in terms of being a, a woman, what, what did you learn about copyright, about being a creative and how that works? And you were in California at that time. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about what you learned and what you think writers and particularly women writers need to understand about this. Well, I wouldn't rely on copyright to protect uh, your work's in general, in any kind of business setting, I would make sure that um, I had contracts in place that um, protected my intellectual property and works. And those contracts would be with the with whom, since you self-publish? Um, if you're with publishers, um, because sometimes um, some publishers, especially for foreign rights, even though I'm um, published independently, um, I have some foreign rights that I've sold to people in other countries, to publishing companies in other countries, TV and movie deals, any you know anything like that. You make sure you have a good lawyer and that you lock that down. Okay. Or a good agent. And would you also choose to do a prenuptial arrangement with a, par- a future partner? Or does that just creep you out completely? <laughs> Um, no, no. I think about prenups completely differently than I used to before. To me, prenups were a symbol of, um, mistrust, uh, in your partner per se. That's how I perceived it. Um, my view on it is completely different because we've done a lot of thinking about this and a lot (laughs) of, yes, we have. um, (laughs) (laughs) And, um, to me, a prenup is, an agreement between you and the person that you love, um, saying, "Mm, I respect your work. I respect what you do. Um, This 
is something that you've created, I respect that. And that's completely yours. And everything that you do there is yours. And, you know, I would expect the, I would expect to do the same for him, you know, with his creative works, with his businesses. Leave it to you, Katya, to turn a prenup into a romantic gesture (laughs) (laughs) that that tells me that that, that's how it is. Well, but that's how you see it. That's not how everyone would see it. Yeah. And so it's interesting to me what that says, I'm completely not making fun of you. I'm Uh saying that you, your character, who you are, this believer in love, Mm -hmm. this passionate believer that love is the most perfect and beautiful thing got scared for a while, Mm -hmm. got cautious for a while, Mm -hmm. but your ultimate character, your ultimate belief in what love is meant to be did not get annihilated, that you preserved that part of yourself. I think that that's why yours to me is a story of determination, Katya, because I think that some people suffer a heartbreak or a betrayal and they become cynical and dark Mm -hmm. as opposed to what you're doing. It seems like what you're doing in this case is exactly what you talked about at the beginning with your books, which is that you have the creative part and you've got the business. And it sounds like you've got the love part of romance but you've got the practical business part of a partnership with somebody mm-hmm. and, and that, that those don't have to be opposites. They can be completely compatible. Mm-hmm. Well, a marriage is a contract and you have to write the contract the way that you want it to be. Mm, that's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm not the sort of person that's going to let someone have power over me and to become bitter or to become someone um, that I'm not, or, you know, to give up on love and say, I'm never going to get married ever again. Mm, I'm not going to allow someone to do that. Mm. So you're claiming your power back in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you, I, I want to end our time together by talking about you've become a nomad. <laughs> you've, you've, since, since you've done all this, I, I don't know if, if fleeing to living abroad was part of like washing that man right out of your hair kind of a process, or that's, that's a very old commercial reference for those of you <laughs> under 40. <laughs> Sorry about that. I just aged myself. There used to be. I a- was about to sing it for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well then you, you know, so it was, it was a song and a TV commercial uh-huh. as well. Uh-huh. Um, so tell me about where you live and how you live a bit, not necessarily the geography, but, but why it is that you're traveling and living how you are now and what's next for you. Well, um, I was in New York. Um, I moved to New York because my um, best friend, who's also an author, uh, um, international best-selling author as well, was moving to New York to be with someone. And um, that didn't work out. COVID <laughs> happened. Um, at the end, um, COVID was very bad in New York. COVID was very bad everywhere. But um, in New York, it was particularly um, horrible. Yeah. And, um, lockdown, the first lockdown was ending. And, um, one morning she looked, she said to me, what if we went to Ireland for a little while? It seemed like, you know, her relationship um, had ended. I was starting fresh. It was like, let's go to Ireland. So we did a girl's trip, um, Thelma and Louise, but happy. 
um, to Ireland. <laughs> you didn't to drive the off wilds. the cliff. You just drove to Ireland. Mm, no, mm, no cliff. <laughs> but we went to Ireland and um, it was fabulous. Mm, we lived in the middle of nowhere like Bronte sisters um, in this moldy cottage infested with spiders. Because <laughs> who knew spiders like the damp? And um, it was wonderful. And then... Um, I've always wanted to live in France. I speak French. And so I was like, why don't we just do part two um, adventures, like girls trip in France. So we've been living here for a little while and, you know, we'll see how it goes. And writing, writing, writing. What's, what are, give me the names of a couple of your more recent titles so that folks can find them. Um, Well, I'm working on a series called Winners Inc., Um, the first book came out this summer. It's called All In. And the second book came out a few weeks ago. It's called Want It. And I'm working on the third book now, which will be out in March. And it'll be called? It'll be uh, Game On. Katya, you are a delight always. And I wish I could hop over to France and have a cup of really great coffee with you and paint in your beautiful studio. Katya, I must say, is part of an inspiration for a little project that I've been on myself, which is that I've been picking up a paintbrush, having never had any training before I'm learning myself. So you inspire me in lots and lots of ways. To find Katya, you can find her at her website, and her name is spelled K-A-T-H-I-A. Her website is Katya Herself. She now writes under the name only Katya. She formerly wrote under Kate Perry, and that's all good. Mm -hmm. And you can find those books as well. But Katya, um, I love Katya herself, which is both a website and a declaration, doggone it, it Mm -hmm. sounds like to Mm -hmm. me. So blessings to you, darling Katya, and thank you so much for today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Betsy. I've had many inspiring conversations with Katya over the years of my acquaintance. I've known her for something like 17 years before her very first book came out. And golly, there are more than 40 now, which is amazing and counting, as she reminds us. But my conversation with her today was a little different. And I came away with two big inspirations. One is for how she processes heartbreak or the need for change in that she literally puts it up on a big piece of paper and posts it and looks at it. And really, my impression is that she takes off whatever rose-colored glasses she needs to take off to really look at something and analyze it and sort it and then absorb what she's learning and burn it and move on. Now, not every problem can be burned away But when it's about making a change in oneself, that seems such a valuable process that she's done. And I wonder if lots of us do that in different ways, but that she's inspired me to look at it, maybe adding a step to my own growth process. But the big inspiration that I really came away with after my conversation with Katya was that after, here was she was, a believer in love, a passion-driven, love-filled, starry-eyed, rose-colored, glass-wearing person who loved love. And she thought she'd found her magic man. And when that proved not to be true, when this person proved to be dangerous financially, emotionally, psychologically, 
she got knocked off her pins for quite a while. For Katya not to write for four years, that's a big deal because I know how much writing means to her. So the fact that she then chose to proceed going forward, chose not to give in to cynicism, that she would see that as giving further power to somebody else that she didn't want to sacrifice, that she still wanted to be who she was and look at the world how she chooses to look at it. More informed, rose-colored glasses off, but not cynical, that she was going to both listen to her intuition, honor it, and also welcome information. Watch somebody before she trusts her heart and her finances and all of those things to somebody else in the world. Remaining optimistic, remaining romantic, remaining a lover of love doesn't mean that you give up facts and cynicism is not the answer. Rather, it's that romantic, passionate, beautiful self, but with wisdom. And that seems to be the Katya that I spoke to today. I hope that wherever you are, that whatever heartbreaks or disappointments or struggles you may be going through, that you find a way to process those. And that by doing so, you also retain yourself, your good instincts, your love, and your wisdom. That's the best way to bloom. <laughs>